Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the zany Brins. Oh, oh, that's me. Oh, 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 oh. exactly. That is I'm quite possessed the by the apt. Yeah, I'm possessed by the zany demon. So that's oh, that's a fun one. I think. <laughs> I think technically it would be the demon of zaniness yes, is the way right. that that's exactly these right. folks like to uh, break that apart. <laughs> and a couple of before we begin, we have a couple of announcements. One, you may have noticed I did not give Forrest an adjective, and that is because uh, Forrest is not with us today. He is still alive. I, <laughs> I was like, I, I realized the way I, I said that was that. rough mm-hmm. before. Yeah, no, he is definitely uh, alive. Um, he is just still dealing with some of those medical issues. Uh, we got some, he's got some testing. It looks like we're, he's closer on the right track in terms yeah. of, you know, getting that all figured out, but, uh, he's going to sit out the last two spiritual warfare episodes and it's just going to be me and our Christian expert Brent on <laughs> these two. And we wish him well. Yes, and, uh, yes. we hope uh, he gets back to us soon. Yeah. Also something that. I've been meaning to say for a while, but I keep forgetting because I suck is that I think everyone who listens to this podcast should throw some money at rational wiki. They're a big part of our research. They recently had a fundraiser and um, I promoted it on Twitter, but I, I kept forgetting to mention it on our episodes and they made their fundraiser goal, but you can always donate to them. If you go to rationalwiki.org, and there's a donate button right there on the homepage incredible source of information on basically everything we cover, whether it's religion or extremist politics or alternative medicine, all that kind of stuff. They have tons of information. We get a lot of work from them. Yes. Also, if you want, after you give them money, if you want to give us some money, we will also take it. If you go to patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary for only $1 a month, you support the show and get a shout out on the podcast. And for $5 a month, you get access to our monthly bonus episodes. And October, you're getting two. We just released our last one on the documentary Hell House, which was quite exciting. A lot of of good bits uh, from Brent's research on that. Also, just want to remind everyone, you can find us on Twitter at NDCIO and Instagram at NundareCallItOrdinary for any of the kind of fun images we find or any news and updates on the podcast those are the best places to reach us and lastly if you could please rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever your podcasts are served specifically a written review if you could do that for us it would be incredible all right so what are we talking about today Dylan? well we are as i said earlier talking about spiritual warfare once again right and our last episode it was an introduction We covered most of the basic highlights, mostly theoretical, except for that demon that killed that dog. Oh, yeah, that was real. So this time we're taking a different tack. We are looking at probably the most popular work of fiction regarding spiritual warfare, Frank Peretti's This Present Darkness. (laughs) And why are we talking about fiction, you might be asking? It's because despite it being a work of fiction, it is taken by many as a handbook on spiritual warfare and is taken by many, again, as a theologically correct understanding of spiritual warfare, which we must add, many disagree with. (laughs) That's true. But its status in the field requires us 
discussing it. And that is what we're going to do today. So here's a, a brief introduction. It was written once again by Frank Peretti in 1986, which is also when I was born. So it is Dylan years old. Nice. It has sold over 2.5 million copies since its publication and was on the Christian Booksellers Association's bestseller list for over 150 consecutive weeks. Damn. Quite impressive. That's pretty good. It's I wonder how that really compares good. to, say, um, what's the Left Behind series, because I'm sure that stayed up there for That's years. a good question. I wonder... I, I feel like I read that this was their record, but mm. I am not 100% sure about that. Yeah. And it reminds me of like The Secret. I know that oh, yeah. uh, from from me and Brent's Barnes & Noble days that yes. The Secret was on the New York Times bestseller list for it felt like years at a time. Oh, yeah. And it's so, like that and again, Fifty Shades of Grey pretty much like took over. Yes. And of course, Harry Potter. <laughs> Ig- exactly. And very all those books are basically the same. Yeah. Exactly. Now, the title, This Present Darkness, comes from a Bible quote that you're probably sick of, but we're going to repeat it. (laughs) Ephesians 6.12, the King James Version, and it's this, quote, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rules, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, what exactly is the story? Well, the story revolves around the small fictional town of Ashton, where demons are driving out angels. You know, that's what they do. Also, I I don't think it actually says where Ashton is. If I remember reading this book or listening to it on audio, I don't remember if they give a state. I just assumed like maybe like in Ohio or Iowa or something, but somewhere where you would a a state that you would count as every town USA, wherever the state that every town USA is, that's where Ashton is. The methods of these demons include incorporating new age philosophy into the community college curriculum. Very niche type of method, but hey, they're demons. They know what they're doing. That's right. Also, I have to add as a personal story, I went to a community college for some of my education and I did take a pagan philosophy course (gasps) while I was there. So, yep. Yeah. Even the College of Southern Nevada. Yeah, it's really happening. Even the College of Southern Nevada has been affected by this tragedy. Now, while the book is fiction, you know, as we mentioned earlier, many spiritual warriors treat it as a kind of how-to manual on exorcisms, prayer, and spiritual warfare in general. As many of you probably believe, it's got a lot of silly beliefs in there if you took it literally. But hey, maybe the book itself is good. Yeah. Well, Rational Wiki does not take this position, quote, Despite the fact that this present darkness is popular amongst Christian reading circles, it is an awful book, complete with weak and poorly developed characters, yeah. stilted dialogue, an irrational plot, hackneyed conflict, straw man depictions of the occult, paranoid conspiracy theories, and general intolerance. Just an overarching intolerance. J- overarching intolerance. <laughs> so, Brent, you have actually... You're going to get into really the meat of this book. Would yeah. you agree with that assessment? I would agree with that. Pretty much everything they say there is right. It was hard to uh, listen to, but it was funny. Had some great passages, which I can't wait to get to. Oh, it's going to be very exciting. So there you have it. Rational Wiki and Brent both agree. Not the best written book of all time. Now, before we get into uh, Brent's deep dive, let's start with just a basic, simple synopsis of the book. Bernice Kruger is a reporter for Ashton's local newspaper, Clarion. After taking a photo at the annual Ashton Summer Festival, she is arrested on the false charge of prostitution. (laughs) When she is released, she discovers her film has been destroyed. 
The editor-in-chief of Clarion, Marshall Hogan, is incensed and confronts police chief Alf Brummel about the incident. Brummel claims it was all a misunderstanding and tells Hogan to drop the issue. Unpersuaded, Hogan begins an investigation into the incident. What they uncover, that is Hogan and Kruger, is a plot by the Universal Consciousness Society to buy the local community college and indoctrinate the students to their new age beliefs. Exactly. The society learns of Hogan and Kruger's investigation and retaliates by buying the Clarion and Hogan's house. Apparently, <laughs> that's uh, they they went real deep in that one. Yeah. Then they throw him in jail on the trumped up charges of murder, adultery, and molesting his daughter. Thankfully, Kruger is able to avoid arrest and escape. And I just love murder, child molestation, and then adultery. I don't right. think that last one. <laughs> is nearly as bad. I also don't, I don't think, think it's a crime. No, I don't think it's a crime in this country, but maybe this is a different country. We don't know. Well, I guess it does say it's it, America. It, yeah, it's definitely America. Yeah. It's maybe a better America, according <laughs> to the writer of this book. Right. Now, while this investigation is going on, the pastor of the Ashton Community Church, Hank Bush, learns that Ashton is infested with demons and tries to figure out why they have descended upon Ashton. Once again, the society learns of his actions and has him arrested, this time for rape. Ah. But for some reason, the society decides to put Bush in the same jail cell as Hogan, which allows them to compare notes, which seems like a bad move. Yeah, it's a very MacGyver type thing. Put put the guy in there with a bunch of ways to get out. Just yeah, put them like together so in the many paperclips. <laughs> paperclips of the Lord. Also, during this time, Pastor Hank leads Marshall oh, to yeah. the Lord. That's right. So before he was... You know, he you know, he was just in this as a, as a journalist, but yeah. now he becomes... Well, he, Truly, he actually war. Marshall attended the other church in town, which is more like the like Unitarian oh. church that was a little liberal, oh, you know, yeah, taught a little bit yeah, more yeah. about everything's okay, every religion's all right, you know. So he wasn't quite <sighs> fundamentalist enough. Stomach. Yeah. Mm, well, I'm glad then that again, this <laughs> another reason why the society should not have put these two men in the same jail cell. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I don't know how like, small Ashton is. I'm sure there's more than one jail cell. I'm though. assuming it's like an Andy Griffith situation. You know, it's like Barney Fife and this. They oh, put him in some sort a of good a point. It's <laughs> very clumsy, man. That show would have been a lot better if it was about a new age cult trying yeah, to indoctrinate <laughs> everybody into it demonic been. warfare. Yeah. Now, at this point in the story, the perspective shifts to the battle between the angels and demons. Yeah. The angels look like humans and are in charge of specific areas of the earth. Their wings are manifestations of, quote, heavenly forces. They wear armor and wield weapons, mainly swords. The sword of the spirit, after all, is a big deal here. That's true. Demons are, quote, ink-like shadows in the darkness, flowing from shadow to shadow until time comes when they truly reveal themselves. They are, quote, monstrous beasts with bat wings and armor. Yes. Combat in the spiritual war ranges from one-on-one -on -one battles to army-level conflagrations in the <laughs> unseen realms above us. Back on Earth, Kruger contacts the county prosecutor, the state attorney general, and the feds. On learning this, Brummel, the police chief, releases Bush and Hogan, who work to fight the society along with a local demon who has been demoted via a more powerful demon and wants to take revenge. Yeah, so he's a bit of a whistleblower yeah. in the demon war, you know, so... <laughs> but only looking out for himself like all the whistleblowers in America right now. <laughs> Same as it ever that's was. True. And so so that's the basic gist of the book. But we got to go deeper. And Brent has gone very deep <laughs> and has more to say about what this book 
is all about. That's right. I fell into the abyss of this audiobook of whatever, 12, 13 hours or something. This is that's where your Patreon money is going. It's yes. going to Brent listening to this audiobook. 13 <laughs> hours of his time. That's distilled into this tiny little podcast. That's right. All right, so let's get into some angels and demons. Let's get to, Dylan mentioned earlier some descriptions, but let's get a little bit deeper into this. These are, these are the angels. Quote, they are tall, at least seven feet, strongly built, perfectly proportioned. One was dark-haired and sharp-featured, the other blonde and powerful. So they're so, not all Aryan-looking, no. which I appreciate. Yeah, it's diversity. That's kind of nice. Though I think the blonde one is the stronger one. I think later on we get that reveal. But well, whatever. the blonde one they do say is powerful, right? And the and other the dark-haired one... one they just say is sharp, feature, <laughs> which I don't know what that means. Just I guess angular, like yeah, an angular, angular kind of face. Yeah, it's like a Picasso okay. painting. <laughs> so <laughs> later we're introduced to a demon that is descending upon the local church in Ashton. This is near the beginning of the book. Here's a passage: "Quote: This shadow had a shape, an animated creature-like shape." And as it neared the church, sounds could be heard, the scratching of claws along the ground, the faint rustling of breeze-blown membranous wings wafting just above the creature's shoulders. It had arms and it had legs, but it seemed to move without them, crossing the street and mounting the front steps of the church. Which to me, when I, when I envision this, this is basically just describing what it's like for a Norvis Odo Catholic to approach the entrance of a set of a contest church. I mean, that's just <laughs> yeah, basically what it is. Yeah, that's that's what that's all they see. It's like they have the the they live glasses. <laughs> like that's actually when you're a set of a contest and you go to a Novus Ordo church. This is actually what they see. They can perceive the reality right. that's going on. I also like it had arms and legs, but it seemed to move without them. Right. I just imagine it's like standing in a power pose and just floating yeah. through <laughs> the air. I, know, I just I just pictured them just like dragging themselves up, which is the these useless vestige appendages just, you know, <laughs> flailing about for no reason. It's kind of strange. OK, so continue with the quote. It's leering bulbous eyes reflected the stark blue light of the full moon with their own jaundice glow. The gnarled head protruded from hunched shoulders and wisps of rancid red breath seething and labored hisses through rows of jagged fangs. So that's basically just describing me before my morning coffee when I get up before the sun rises. So. <laughs> you got that rancid red breath? Got the red breath. Actually so bad it's visible, I guess. Yeah, I have to say a gnarled head protruding from hunched shoulders, mm. that does sound like me when I, I sleep. <laughs> I sleep hunched sometimes, and that's definitely yeah. when I wake up. Ah, I gotta stretch myself out. Continuing with the quote, it either laughed or it coughed. The wheezes mm. puffed out from deep within its throat could have been either. You know, honestly, Dylan, I just hope we never do a live show and we just can't tell if the crowd is wheezing or laughing. That would be <laughs> like, should we call it? Yeah, you want know, to be able to. Because at first, at first I thought before, because it clarifies and says that he couldn't tell. You yeah. couldn't tell the sound it was making. Because at first I thought it like the only things it did were laugh or cough. So it was like yeah. laughing and then coughing right after and then laughing again. Right. But yeah, you just couldn't tell. All right, so now we're going to get to the battle in the local church. Oh, Here's yes. another long, very local, very local. This is a crazy. All battle. demonic politics is local. <laughs> yeah. Quote. Suddenly, as if colliding with a speeding wall, the creature, the demon we were just talking about, was knocked backward and into a raging tumble down the steps. 
the glowing red breath tracing a corkscrew trail through the air. With an eerie cry of rage and indignation, it gathered itself up off the sidewalk and stared at the strange door that would not let it pass through. Then the membranes on its back began to billow, enfolding great bodies of air, and it flew with a roar headlong at the door, through the door, into the foyer, and into a cloud of white-hot light. The creature screamed and covered its eyes, then felt itself being grabbed by a huge, powerful vice of a hand. In an instant, it was hurling through space like a rag doll, outside again, forcefully ousted. The wings hummed in a blur as it banked sharply in a flying turn and headed for the door again. Red vapors chugging in dashes and streaks from its nostrils, its talons bared and poised for attack, a ghostly siren of a scream rising in its throat. Like an arrow through a target, like a bullet through a board, it streaked through the door and instantly felt its insides tearing loose. There was an explosion of suffocating vapor, one final scream, and the flailing of withered arms and legs. Doesn't matter, doesn't need them. Um, then there was <laughs> then there was nothing all except the ebbing stench of sulfur. Oh. I don't know if I'm reading this, but am I am I just reading a, a MAGA fantasy fiction about Trump defeating Obama here? I'm yes. Sure. This but is that, the next that's basically what's happening. This is the next Ben Garrison cartoon. You just know it. This is exactly <laughs> yeah. how they see it. Right. Also a okay, lot of so focus those again two, on okay. the red breath, which is interesting. Yeah. The yeah, red breath breathe red wonder what it is yes they breathe the color so okay so those two angels that we mentioned earlier do kick this demon's ass basically is what's oh, happening yeah. here this is yeah T just, just oh yeah so okay what the fuck was that you might ask well okay one angel lets us know that it was either a quote spirit of harassment or doubt or fear who knows? This is the angel talking? Yeah, this is the angel talking. I the would, quote from the book. Exactly. I think I know. If I was an angel, I think I would know who yeah. knows. And that's the big guy upstairs obviously knows. True. Okay, so one angel tells the other that was one of the that was one of the smallest ass demons he has ever seen. Not like wow. the smallest ass. Smallest. <laughs> Some someone forgot leg day. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little ass on that demon. All right. So either way, they'll let the reader know that this is a massive concentration of these little fuckers. And, you know, we'll soon find out why. So they're why small, they're, why they but there's here. a lot of them. Exactly. So they walk into the church to see this, quote, man of God. They describe the small town church as they walk into it. There's a bulletin board with various requests, like sick missionaries, groceries, babysitting needs. There's some boring ass congregational business meeting next Friday in case you want to attend. Hmm. Oh, also, just so you know, Dylan, um, just so you're aware that the weekly offerings um, that week were down from last week. They were also down from attendance 61 to 42. So oh, it's fucking travesty. Man. Yeah. So is this the good Lieutenant church slumping. or is this the weak liberal church? This is not the weak church. This is the oh. good church. I wonder if the demons are even bothering with the liberal church. <laughs> yeah, they've already got him. Mm. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Continue, please. So these angels finally see the Holy of Holies. Quote, in the center of the worn carpeted platform stood the little sacred desk, the pulpit, with a Bible laid open upon it. You know, it's a fucking wooden lectern. Calm down. Jesus. Yeah. But, as but, we learned okay. <laughs> last week, it's the spoken word of God that really matters. Yes. It's not the Bible on a shelf. It's not just the Bible. It's not the Bible right. on the pulpit. You got to speak it. So true. I think these angels so, need to listen to our previous episode. I They don't know what the demon is. You know, who knows? They yes. don't even really care. They seem to think right. that the Bible on the lectern itself is important. They need some re-education 
in the world of spiritual right. warfare. It should become a patron too while they're at it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So this- that would be such a get for us to get some angels. <laughs> it would be. Man. We have to shout out some angels on the podcast, which would be strange, but it would be worth it. Oh, yeah. So this is the most important part, though. They're in the first pew, we see what's going on here. Okay, quote, a soft, muffled sobbing from the end of the right pew. There, kneeling in earnest prayer, his head resting on the hard wooden bench, and his hands clenched with fervency, was a young man, very young. The blonde man thought at first young and vulnerable. Yikes, that must be a better way to word that. Frenzy, come on. Don't and the blonde man way. is the angel, right? Yes, the blonde man is the angel. Yeah, I'm I'm getting real skeptical that these are angels. <laughs> I think, yeah. Yep. They're making all creepy. sorts of mistakes. Okay, anyways, this little fellow is passionately praying. The two angels watch him in awe and call him, quote, the little warrior. Aww. The blonde angel says, quote, yes, this is the one. He's there nonstop praying for his town, which maybe if he would get up off his damn knees and start working the streets, inviting people to church, maybe his damn numbers wouldn't be down so much. That's you know? a good point, because as like, we know, you got to get more. You can't just do it on your own. You got to get more yeah. people involved. Get everybody exactly. praying. That's right. But they're all at the liberal church going to the new age community college. So it's, you know, sometimes <laughs> you have to stand alone. These two angels discuss how there are others out there like him in Ashton. So there's going to be a major battle. All these people will get hurt and so will they. This is the angel speaking. But they're going to have to fight anyways because they have to for fuck's sakes. What else are they going to do? They are angels and it's a spiritual war. So they, they have are to. angels in a spiritual <laughs> war. Are angels. <laughs> I love that police song. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, as I say, good police song. Okay, so they, they stood, this is a quote here, quote, they stood over the kneeling warrior on either side, and at that moment, little by little, like the bloom of a flower, white light began to fill the room. It illuminated the cross on the back wall, slowly brought out the colors and grain in every plank of every pew and rose in intensity until the once plain and humble sanctuary came alive with an unearthly beauty. The walls glimmered, the worn rugs glowed, the little pulpit stood tall and stark as a sentinel backlit by the sun. Sure, okay, do this now when there's no one here. Maybe if this would happen on Sunday morning, you would see those damn numbers move again, you know? Yeah, also this might be, you don't really need to put in a lot of money to renovate the church. You could just pray it to look real spiffy. Get some good lighting with these angels. Yeah. Light it up. Okay, so now these fuckers, they show their true selves. Here, here it is. This is a quote again. Quote, and now the two men were brilliantly white. Ah, Nothing racist to see here. Nothing no, racist at all. Okay. No, 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 no. Their former, <laughs> their former clothing transfigured by garments that seemed to burn with intensity. Their faces were bronzed and glowing. Their eyes shone like fire, and each man wore a glistening golden belt from which hung a flashing sword. Uh, that's an image. Okay. Oh, yeah. They placed their hands upon the shoulders of these young men and then like gracefully spreading canopy, silken, shimmering, nearly transparent membranes began to unfurl from their backs and shoulders and rise to meet and overlap above their heads, gently undulating in a spiritual wind. Okay. Together, they ministered peace to their young charge and his many tears began to subside. But unfortunately, he was still a pastor of a dying church in a tiny town. Oh, yeah. They're going to, I think they're going to, you know, the tears, (laughs) I don't think, I think that's a, 
That's a symptom of the problem. Mm. I don't think just think curing right. the tears is going to deal with this. <laughs> also, That's a good point. Peretti really loves the word membrane. This yes, is, I feel like this is the fourth time that that word has come up <laughs> so far in this episode. Okay, so here's another demon. We get another demon here. Yes. So here's a quote. Could anyone have seen him? The initial impression would not have been so much his reptilian warted appearance as the way his figure seemed to absorb light and not return it, as if it were more of a shadow than an object, a strange animated hole in space. But this little spirit was invisible to the eyes of men, unseen and immaterial, drifting over the town, banking one way and then the other. Is that like going to like ATMs or something? Okay, like different ATMs. Okay, I think guided it's like by a bank, Will. Because I think like a bank is like a sharp turn. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I do like the idea, though, that he's going to a bunch of <laughs> he's hitting up a bunch of ATMs because the because yeah. the, there's a withdrawal limit per ATM. So he's got to keep going to different ATMs to get all the That's money right. to buy <laughs> the community college. It's a lot of work. That is true. Guided by will and not wind. His whirling wings quivering in a grayish blur as they propelled him. He was like a high strung little gargoyle. His hide a slimy, bottomless black, his body thin and spider-like, half humanoid, half animal, totally demon. Uh, um. <laughs> you notice though, no membranes on this one, which is uh, nice. It's a little refreshing not to yeah, see. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> okay, so two huge yellow cat eyes bulging out of his face. Darting to and fro, peering, searching. His breath came in short, sulfurous gasps. Um, <laughs> President Obama? Is that yeah. you? Okay, sorry. <laughs> poor, poor Obama. He doesn't deserve all this. Okay. Visible as glowing yellow vapor. This time uh, it's glowing, and it, or this time it's yellow vapor, not and it's uh, red, yellow. So that's good. Sulfur and yellow. It's a good mix. It's a good that's mix. That's right. That makes sense, actually. Okie doke. Half humanoid, so, half animal, totally demon has to be a t shirt. Yes. That has to be a t shirt. Yeah. Okay, so as Dylan mentioned earlier, we're about to we're about to dig into the evil, very very evil Whitmore College, community college. Yes. Okay, so here we are introduced to the very very secular, very very evil Whitmore College, and not just Whitmore College, but Stuart Hall, home of the oh boy psychology department. Oh God! <laughs> I know. I know. I know. A character named Sandy takes a class called Psychology of Self. So, Man. not good. Marshall Hogan, as Dilla mentioned earlier, is introduced as the owner slash editor in chief of Ashton's uh, town newspaper, The Clarion. And by the way, I do have to say, I listened to this entire, it's like a 600 page book on audio, read by Jack Sonderiker, who's the narrator of the book. Uh, the voice he uses, though, for Marshall sounds to me personally like a demon's voice. So it's kind of <laughs> confusing. Well, you know, he's got literal demons in this book. So let's. Uh, he's like, yeah, but he's, this is Marshall here. Like, Jesus. He's just smoking a bunch of cigarettes. That's how you know he's like the real deal. He's grizzled. Yeah. I won't name the app I was using to listen to this book, but it kept glitching on me. And at one point, seriously got possessed. I was at work listening to this um, as I was working and it would not. Stop playing. <laughs> like, I was like trying to pause it. it was, you know, I'm like getting up to do something. I was like, hello, pause, please. And then, you know, next thing, 
a demon's voice is playing out loud. You know, and can't stop it. It's very, very awkward. Well, clearly what um, happened was that an angel came and wrapped it in a membrane. That's true. If so only it wouldn't I, stop yes. playing. Yeah. If only I could have seen with spiritual eyes, I could have seen what was really happening at that moment. Also, another sidebar I do want to mention before um, I continue is I wish this book wouldn't use phrases like there's a phrase in here. He's like, what the devil's going on here? Again, there's literal devils in this book. Just please, <laughs> like, maybe <laughs> don't use things like that. OK. All right, so Marshall is visiting his daughter, Sandy. That's why he's at this college here. Mm. And he makes his way to one of the lecture halls near room 101, where he hears this horror coming from the classroom as he stands outside. Quote, so if we settle for a simple ontological formula, I think, therefore, I am. That should be the end of the question. But being does not presuppose meaning, and meaning doesn't necessarily come from thinking. So some have said that the self is not the mind at all and that the mind actually denies the self and inhibits self-knowledge. Yeah, that right. That is that that is a that is a horror. Like literally, I'm not I'm not joking right now. That sentence is a horror. Oh, man, this should have been featured in Hell House. It really should have. Continuing the the quote from the book. Yeah, here was more of that college stuff, that funny conglomeration of $64 words, which impress people with your academic prowess, but can't get you a paying job. Marshall smirked to himself this a little is, bit. This is cutting real deep, I just have to say. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Marshall smirked to himself a little bit. Psychology. If all those shrinks could just agree for a change, it would help. First, Sandy blamed her snotty attitude on a violent birth experience. And then what was it? Poor potty training? Her new thing was self-knowledge, self-esteem, identity. She already knew how to, to be hung up on herself. Now they were teaching it to her in college. This is what, Jordan Peterson's book? I'm joking. Okay, anyways, long story short, the dad goes in, sits in the back of the classroom, and the teacher glares at him and asks him to wait outside. Pretty sure she's a demon that tries to creep up on him as he fucks up his relationship with his daughter and the two angels named Gilio and Triscal come down and again. And the, those are the names of the two angels, by the way, from the beginning. And they cause oh, nice. that, quote, demon of complacency and despair to disappear into the shrubs. <laughs> In other words, you know, the college experience. But that's um, it's like the demon of complacency and despair is a peeping Tom. It's a peeping yeah. demon. It's like got to disappear into the shrubs. <laughs> into the shrubs, which later the um, unfortunately the gardeners discover him, which is never good. So uh, as they're trimming the shrubs, uh, never good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now that's okay. So the angel meetup. We're about to meet some a uh, bunch of angels Ooh. meeting up here. Yeah. Okay, so in one world we have Hank, that whiny, constantly praying little pastor at that tiny ass church in that tiny ass town. So that's one one world we're getting here. Well, he's mowing the lawn at his church while the other world right on top of that world, we'll say it's um, a membrane separating, the, separating them. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So the other world right on top of that boring ass world is Triscal and Galio talking about how Hank is the one like the Matrix. He has called all these spiritual warriors here. They introduced the celestial warriors. First, there was, quote, Nathan, the towering Arabian who fought fiercely and spoke little. <laughs> It was he who had taken demons by their ankles and used them as war clubs against their fellows. <laughs> now that's some demon on demon violence, if I've ever heard it. Yeah. 
I also, Nathan the Towering Arabian sounds like a, a 1960s wrestler I know. gimmick. <laughs> and now, coming in is Nathan the Towering Arabian! Seriously. Armoth, the big African whose war cry and fierce countenance had often been enough to send the enemy fleeing before he even assailed them. Gilio and Armoth had once battled the demon lords of the villages in Brazil and personally guarded a family of missionaries on their many treks through the jungles. You know, I got to say, man, Jim Elliott and those other four missionaries who were murdered in Ecuador in the, was it the 70s, I think, could have really used Gilio and Armoth. Too bad this book is fiction. So, yeah, they really could have used that. I, I do like yeah. this. So. So Armoth is African, and I'm assuming Gilo is the blonde guy. I'm assuming he's a white guy. Yeah, yeah. But but still, I'm just glad that the angelic administration still allows them to work in Brazil. So it's not yeah. like, okay, the African guy works in Africa, the Arabian guy works right. in Arabia. It's whoever, it's a meritocracy. Whoever yeah. has the skills needed for that country is where they send the them. And that's is, good to see. Yeah. I like that as the angel for the job. Yep, I like it. Chimon, the meek European with the golden hair who bore on his forearms the marks of fading demons last blows before Chimon banished him forever into the abyss. Gilo had never met this one mm. for his Twitter account is legendary. I'm just kidding, but <laughs> it would be legendary, but had heard of his exploits and his ability to take blows simply as a shield for others and then to rally himself to defeat untold numbers alone. That doesn't sound meek at all. No, it's He's very a human not. shield. It's pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, it is. Tao, the captain of the host. It was so strange to see this mighty warrior standing in this humble little place. Gilo, who had seen him near the throne room of heaven itself. I'm sorry, which of the three heavens? I'm assuming it's the, the top. Yeah, it's the definitely very... the third heaven. Okay. The heaven of heavens. Right. So he'd seen him near the, thr the throne room of heaven itself in conference with none other than, yep. The Archangel Michael. Ooh, yeah. ooh, that's a big get. That's a yeah, big oh get. Yeah. That is Angel networking in action. <laughs> you want him to follow you on Angel LinkedIn. But here stood the same impressive figure with golden hair and ruby complexion, intense golden eyes like fire, and an unchallengeable air of authority. Gilo approached his captain, and the two of them clasped hands. All the best angels have blonde hair. It's weird how that works, but okay. Yeah, that is. So they, um, yeah. Slightly unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. Do you want to know who the enemy is, Dylan? All right, so Tao lets us know. It's none other than Rafar, the prince of Babylon. Oh, dun, dun, dun. oh wow. I'm thinking, you know, the Roosh was a ghostwriter of this book, maybe. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> when they start talking about the Anglo-American <laughs> establishment, that's how you know. LaRouche's fingerprints are all over it. So all the angels are freaked the fuck out because this bitch is hard to kill and was only once defeated when Babylon fell and I guess is back now for some reason. Okay, so yeah. here's, here's a description of Rafar. Quote, drawing a charcoal streak across the sky, a sinister black object flew over the mountaintops and began to drop into the valley, piercing through the paper-thin layers of mist that hung in the air cloaked by oppressive spiritual darkness and silent as black cloud. Baal Rafar, the prince of Babylon, floated along. He stayed close to the contour of the mountainside, maneuvering on a course that weaved this way and that among the dead snags and rocky crags, 
The canopy of darkness followed him like a cast shadow, like a tiny circle of night upon the landscape. A faint streak of red and yellow vapor, of course, trailed from his nostrils and hung in the air behind him like a long, slowly settling ribbon. Sounds like me if I miss a meal, actually, if I don't eat. That kind of just sounds like me. So, okay, so let's... (laughs) Hey, Bal, you're you're looking a little mean. I think you need a Snickers. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's do this, right? Let's get this war on for Christ. Well, not so fast. Tal tells the angel they are not to fight, quote, and we are not to fight. We are not to resist, Gylos exclaimed. I will be most fascinated to hear your next order, Tal. We cannot fight? Not yet. We're too few, and there is very little prayer cover. The way this works is that humans praying gives the angels their power. And yep. so you've got to get a bunch of people praying down on Earth mm-hmm. to serve as prayer cover and to give them the kick-ass wings and swords. Yep, so true. So they all get pumped up and echo in unison, for the saints of God and for the Lamb. Woo! Okay, so by the way, uh, Preddy reminds us yet again that Pastor Hank is constantly praying. This guy, it's like being constantly high in our uh, psychedelic cold thing. It's the same thing, just constantly nonstop praying. I mean, he's, he's even got praying to. aloud. No one else is willing to do it. Yeah. And he's even praying aloud while he's mowing the church's lawn, guys. That That's, seems um, like it's funny that you mentioned I didn't, you mentioned that earlier, but should he really be mowing the lawn? Maybe get some of the other people to pray right, too. Right. It seems yeah. possibly the least important activity he could be doing at this moment. Well, I think the, the, the problem, they don't really address it, but, you know, the gardeners that are for hire are now just, you know, freak the fuck out. Like every shrub, everything. Oh, oh God, just like a demon. In it. So it's like, <laughs> ah, I'm going to avoid that long. Okay, so the demon meetup now. We've had the angel meetup. Here's the demon meetup. So where we get the demon meetup is at, of course, none other than Whitmore College. I don't know which uh, room. Maybe course. it's at 102. Maybe it's a conference room. We're not mm. sure. But the demons in attendance at this meetup are as follows complacency lust deception murder lawlessness jealousy also awkward annoying doltish okay i made up those last oh. three but that's oh. those three are not <laughs> I was about to say the- <laughs> those are the lesser demons i feel yes. i feel once you've got murder right you got i yeah. mean once awkward murder, i think is awkward the demon of awkwardness is like an intern in the spiritual <laughs> war. That's true. Okay, so they're all trembling, meeting up with the feared, powerful demon we mentioned earlier, the Prince of Babylon, Baal, Rafar. You know, I actually just keep wanting to say Jafar from um, oh. Aladdin, but I, <laughs> I don't. So we get a description of Rafar again in this passage. Quote, Rafar was bigger than any they had ever seen before. He was a giant demon with a lion-like face, fiery eyes, incredibly muscular body, and leathery wings that filled the room. Really uh, quite a hot, hot uh, description of Rafar <laughs> yeah. here. Steamy here. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. mm. 50 Shades of Grey time. Okay, so now we get to meet a little lesser evil, but also pretty close to equally as evil, Professor Jolene Langstrat. Oh. She is a professor at Whitmore College. Okay, so Albert Darr, a young professor at Whitmore College, is discussing what he knows about this evil professor, Langstrat, to a reporter from the Ashton paper whose name is Bernice. And that's the uh, Kruger, the one who was arrested for prostitution. Exactly. 
So also a side note, in chapter 21, there is a riveting, riveting, drawn out long scene where the author walks us painstakingly through the process of Bernice using microfiche to set, you know, <laughs> step by step. So that's <laughs> it's really, really uh, it's exciting. Okay. See, so, this is good because whenever <laughs> whenever people we cover say do your own research, they don't right. teach you how to do your own research. So I'm glad <laughs> yes. someone is finally. finally doing it. Yeah, it's a little dated, whatever, but you know, it's fine. So apparently the small town's chief of police is meeting with her weekly, this professor, for special spiritual consultations. The young professor explains, quote, Professor Langstrat is, how should I say it, not a ground level person. Her areas of study go beyond anything the rest of us have had any desire to tamper with. The source, and capital S, the source, the universal mind, the ascended planes. I think if I had Professor Longstrot, I think I would, I think I would believe in hell because I would yeah. be in it. I can only <laughs> imagine if I had to deal with that. So Bernice asks, so what is this, quote, this stuff, this source, this mind? So Dar continues, quote, as nearly as I can, as we can tell, she derives it from the Eastern religions, the old mystic cults and writings, things I know nothing about and don't want to know anything about. That's oh, a good, good professor. Great. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of professor you want. As yeah. far as I'm concerned, her studies in these areas have caused her to lose all contact with reality. As a matter of fact, I may even be mocked and maligned among my peers for saying this. But I don't see Langstrat's advances in these areas as anything other than foolish neo-pagan witchcraft. I think she's desperately confused. I think at this point we can uh, have a, a pot meet the kettle moment. <laughs> I think I think we could apply this yes. to the book itself is what I'm saying. Right. We're all desperately confused. I don't know about it and I don't <laughs> want to know anything about it. In case, Dylan, you are curious about signing up for next semester for Professor Langstrat's elective courses, according to this book, she teaches the following classes next semester. Introduction to God and Goddess Consciousness and the Craft, <laughs> The Divinity of Man, Witch and Warlock, mm. which clearly, you know, that, okay, so clearly it's a class that you need to take before attending Hell House. And to <sighs> understand that joke... You might want to become a patron. Five dollars a month. That's it. Okay. The sacred medicine wheel. I don't know. It's an upper level class. I think. How do spells and rituals work? Are we sure this is a Hogwarts? I, I don't know. Mm, but yeah, this is a very. Is. <laughs> this is why people don't like Hogwarts. Or this yes. is this is why there are, is a sect of Christians who don't like Harry Potter because they the think Jesus camp. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the pathways. Here's another class. Pathways to your inner light. Um, there's meet your own spiritual guides. That's fun. Um, here's another one. Discover the light within, which to me sounds like a Jasmaheen book. You know, that's yeah, um, that's the next level, because at first you when you're a breatharian, you live on the light outside of you. But then you start to develop the light within you so you could be in total darkness. Yes. In, yes. in the in the outreaches of space or at the bottom of the ocean and still survive. From the light within. <laughs> All right. Harmonize your mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual levels. Here's another class here. Being through hypnosis and meditation, which I think David Lynch might actually also teach this course. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> how to enjoy the present by discovering past and future lives. Oh. Jesus, isn't, isn't this a lot of fucking classes for one professor to teach one semester? Or am I, I mean. Yeah, I, I, I mean. 
I mean, one, I mean, this is a community college, so you're definitely, yeah. the professors are going to have weightier schedules in general. Uh, you're probably, I mean, a four, four isn't unheard of. And, oh, okay. okay. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, either way, this is rough for one semester. Yeah. It's also, I don't remember a lot of classes with these sentence like, uh, names, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think Peretti understands how the academic world works. He only understands the spiritual warfare of the academic world. That's it. Yeah, that's fair. And the last class she teaches is called in the beginning was the goddess. Mm. So, hmm. I mean, what's funny about these the courses is that yeah. so Peretti sees like this is clearly what's going to happen is she's going to teach these courses. People are going to take them, turn yeah. against God and become demonically possessed. What would right. actually happen is you know, some stoner kid who just wants an easy A is going to be in the back of the class. And as as the professor is lecturing, he's just going to raise his hand and saying, like, is this going to be on the test? You know, that's <laughs> that's what would actually right. happen if somebody managed to teach these classes. Oh, and just so you're aware, Dylan, um, Professor Langstrat is hypnotizing, like you said, all the college kids and oh. even other adults who come get sessions from her. That's the mm. whole point. She's not teaching. She's possessing. God, that would make that would make college. That would make teaching so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> like, let me just get inside you and do this. God damn it. OK, so the entire psychology department of Whitmore College was under her spell at this point. And as well as uh, not just that, they say in the book, um, not just the psychology department, as well as the humanities department. Um, sorry, sorry, Dylan, but the philosophy department. Oh, she got it. She got the entire department. Oh, Jesus. But not just that, the biology department, strangely enough, and pre-med oh. programs for some reason. So, I mean, they are <laughs> teaching evolution in those programs, so I can understand. Oh, yeah, that's a true yep. point. Um, and, and then actually later on in the book, in chapter 23, Jolene Langstrat convenes with a demon in some sort of trance to communicate with Rafar. So, yep, if you were uh, wondering if she was um, going to be evil, there it is. Okay. But meanwhile, unfortunately, piles of ungraded term papers sit on her coffee table. But it can be difficult to focus on your duties as an educator when you need to meet, quote, with the ascended masters, the spirit guides from the higher planes. So that's true. Also, I mean, she's hypnotized all the students, so they're not going to complain when it takes right. her months and months to return those papers. <laughs> that's that's the benefit to hypnotizing. Your that's students. the key. Yeah. Just hypnotize your students. Getting some good ideas from this book. So nearing the final battle of Ashton, we also later discover that Professor Langstrad has evil plans for the town of Ashton. Quoting from the book. Our purpose here is to combine our psychic energies to assure the success of today's venture. Our long-awaited goal will soon be realized that Whitmore College campus and afterward the whole town of Ashton are going to become part of the new world order. <laughs> I, I, Dylan, I'm actually curious. Did you guys learn a lot about your um, psychic energies in your psychology classes? Or mm, I, don't, I can't uh, say we have. <laughs> Yeah, I don't um I don't think those exist or the and new so world we order. didn't talk about them. Yeah, I love how this is our long awaited goal of incorporating Ashton <laughs> into the new world order. Like I don't think that's a big I don't think that's a big deal no. from the perspective of the new world order. You know, I'm sure Ashton is a lovely place. Awesome. And there are know, plenty of small yeah. towns in the Midwest that are lovely places. But I don't think the New World Order, I don't think it's going to hinge their success no. 
in enslaving humanity yeah. is going to hinge on taking over yeah. Ashton. Plus, we know it's not. Yeah. And, you know, and Alex Jones would have been there in an instant had, a, had this been a real threat. So come on. Oh, my God. Oh. Alex <laughs> Jones at the outskirts. Something's going Storms on. Something's going Ashton. on in Ashton. Strangely sounds exactly like um, Marshall, but whatever. All right. Okay, Rafar eventually possesses Langstrat, who is later shot and killed. Spoiler, oh, sorry guys. that's what happens. Yeah. That's what happens when yep. you mess with these demons. Yep. I, you know, and I actually like to think it wasn't because she had the evil prince of Babylon possessing her, you know, inside of her, but rather it's just easier to g- get rid of professors who need to be fired than have tenure by going, you know, doing it this way. It's, luckily, this one had a demon in her, so it made it a little easier. So that's just how you get Wow. It. <laughs> I didn't expect the extreme anti-tenure turn this episode was going to take. Yep. I'm not sure. This is a, I have no idea. This is a, this is a Scott Walker turning point, I feel. Like, this is the uh, tactic he would take. Okay, so Ashton Community Church votes whether or not to kick out the pastor, Hank Bush. This is this is a big part in this book. It happens a little earlier on. And this is the, this is the mowing slash praying Yes, pastor. the mowing. Am I correct? Yeah, okay. The praying, mowing pastor. So angels, of course, are in attendance in this tiny ass church for this very important vote. There's two angels, Triscal and Chimon. I think that's the European and that was the two from the beginning. Well, no, it wasn't one of the ones in the beginning. Gilo, wasn't he? One yeah, you're of the- right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Triscal is the other one. Triscal is the uh, the brunette sharp featured. Yes. Angel. OK, right. Got it. So they're discussing one of the shitty Christians, Bramel. As he prays kind of pathetically. I mean, he's not a very strong Christian, unfortunately. Mm, And yeah, exactly. Quoting from the book and quote, Triscal asked Chimon, getting any strength? Chimon answered, why? Is somebody else going to pray? (laughs) Oh, 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 man. (laughs) Angel joke there. (laughs) This is one thing that's important. One in the book, but also in spiritual warfare in general, is this idea that you can pray really hard. Like Mm -hmm. there's like, there's just praying and then there's like super praying. Yeah. I, I don't know how that's measured, um, but it seems really important. That reminds me, there, there were shirts when I was younger. I remember, I even think I have one or I had, it's gone now, but it's called, it, remember like, it was like Gold's Gem was really famous, but they have like the guy, it was like yeah. their emblem, it was like Lord's Gem. And I believe it said like pray hard or something <laughs> underneath it. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to pray hard so Chimon can stop making jokes about <laughs> you not uh, spiritually lifting. Get your own podcast, Chimon. We don't want to hear it. Yeah, do your own thing. All right. Yeah. Okay, so I would listen to that podcast, actually. So prayers can offer cover for demon enemy fire, and it also gives angels physical strength, but only good prayers. Don't pray like a little bitch. We don't want to, yeah. Yeah, like they got to be, you got to be, it's swole. It's the prayers <laughs> of the swole is what the angels need. Exactly. So the angel Gilo has to battle with the demon named Cheating because that son of a bitch was trying to affect the votes, trying to tamper with the votes to make sure this pastor was voted out of the church. The name kind of gives it away. Yeah, it does. It does. As the ballots were being drawn, quote, the two men took the offering plates full of ballots to a back pew. A flock of flapping, hissing demons converged on the scene, wanting to see the outcome. But it was a fucking tie. Oh so that sucks. Evenly matched, I guess. But wait, actually, wait. Quote, the two demons posted around the church saw something very unsettling. Just about a block up the street were two old women hobbling toward the church. Oh, boy. One, Edith Duster. She walked with the assistance of a cane and helping hand from her friend. She did not look well at all. 
but her jaw was set and her eyes bright and determined. Her friend, in better health and stronger, kept up with her, holding her arm to support her and talking gently to her. Okay, so these demons are going to have none of this. Mm -hmm. These old biddies, no, are going to break the tie in favor of the young, nonstop mowing pastor. He's also nonstop praying. I think that's the most yeah, important not, part. Yeah, I guess he's not nonstop mowing. My bad. He, they did eventually. He did eventually stop mowing. All right. Quote, what Eda Duster needs is a stroke, murmured <laughs> a sickness demon, drawing his sword. Perhaps it was simply luck or incredible coincidence. But just as the demon lunged forward with great speed to slash at the arteries in Edith Duster's brain, the other woman moved to open the door and stepped right in the way. Oh. I don't think that's how a stroke works. I don't think <laughs> it involves the no. arteries in your brains being slashed. Oh, come on, Peretti. Consult with like me medical, the medical field, some doctor, something. Please. Okay, so the tip of the demon's sword struck the woman in the shoulder, the healthier older woman, I guess, which could have been concrete. The sword stopped short. Oh, oh okay. Oh. I, I actually totally thought the other woman was about to drop dead, actually. Yeah, no, she no, was spiritually not. strong. Yeah, this that would have been cooler. She yeah. was a swole prayer. Didn't happen. Yeah. Continuing with the quote, sickness, the demon, catapulted over the two women and fluttered like a fractured kite into the churchyard as Edith Duster moved inside. Sickness gathered himself up off the ground and screamed, the host of heaven. The other demon guards stared at him blankly. <laughs> and I just envisioned the Curb Your Enthusiasm song begin at this moment. Was so. <laughs> the demon staring like, yeah, geez. <laughs> yeah, this is like a, like a slapstick comedy that's going on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> These I demons fucking suck. I mean, laughing at Moses' book. I don't know if it's supposed to be a comedy, but so as expected, Pastor Hank wins the vote and stays pastor of the small church. This news was so profound, so devastating, so powerful. It affects both worlds: the physical world of Ashton and the spiritual realm. Of course, both of them freak out. How do the demons respond? Well, quote with cries and wails of rage. Demons scattered everywhere, erupting through the roof and the sides of the church like shrapnel and fanning out in all directions over the town. Their cries become a loud, echoing drone of savage fury that rang over the whole town like a thousand melancholy factory whistles, sirens and horns. See, if so, only to think if sickness thought about this <laughs> you know. before there was a tiebreaker. Right. And so he could have found somebody. Yeah who wasn't as spiritually powerful no, he, as Edith Duster. No, he but, needed you know, the, um, the smarter demon. I don't know, what would it be? Forethought? I don't know, something something to... Yeah, you need the demon of forethought <laughs> to control all these other demons. Make sure they're doing, doing stuff right. Okay, so how did the tiny town of Ashton respond? Quote, that night the police were busy. Fights broke out in the local taverns. Slogans were spray-painted on the courthouse. Some cars were stolen and joy ridden through the lawn. The fucking lawn, no. And flowers <laughs> in the park. <laughs> oh, I feel bad. The pastor's got to go back to the lawn. Well, thankfully, this is the park, the demonic park. Right. So the That's pastor true. doesn't have to, to mow that at least. So later on, we hear more about the old lady, Edith Duster. Pastor Hank goes to visit this oracle, and she tells of a time when she was young in China and felt faint because of a medium or spiritualist was trying to put a spell on her. 
She says she sees angels in her dreams that remind her of her son. Of course, yet again, blonde haired looks almost, and I quote, Scandinavian. Oh, uh, mm, <laughs> maybe let's avoid. Let's avoid that in <laughs> the future try. in the spiritual yeah. warfare Go fiction. On. All right. So now we get the cave and the demon controlled kids of Ashton. So the kids are affected. The kids are not all right. Yes, yes. Pastor Hank and Angels Creoni and Triscal walk into the cave, a local CD arcade joint that blared metal music and was packed with kids. Quote, Creoni and Triscal tried their very best to look meek and non-threatening as they followed him into the cave. So I don't get this part. So Hank doesn't see these angels, but other people can. It's kind of confusing. Sometimes they blur this thing where, you know, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I don't know why I'm trying to also, care so much. Also, this is fun. In case you're a youngin and maybe don't understand mm. this, arcades used to be kind of sketchy places. Yeah, that's true. Um, I feel that they don't really, I feel <laughs> like there aren't too many arcades anymore, but I feel most of them are now like hipster arcade bars. Yeah, Where, exactly. you know, people like us Over go. 21. Yeah, and so, exactly. But yeah, so yeah, arcades used to be seedy places. Oh, yeah. So here's another amazing passage from this book. So good, I, I have to quote it. One lone proprietor sat behind this little cash register in the corner reading a girly magazine whenever he wasn't making change for the game players. Hank had never seen so many quarters at one place. Here were kids of all ages with few other places to go, congregating after school and all through the weekends to hang out, hang on, play games, pair up, wander off, do drugs, do sex, do whatever. <laughs> uh, do sex. Okay. Hank knew this place was a hellhole. It wasn't the machines or the decor or the dimness. It was just the pugent spiritual stench of demons having their heyday. He felt sick to his stomach. Uh-oh, Dylan. <laughs> Looks like the demon of sickness may be afoot here. Quick, quick, quick. We mm. need the angel Pepto-Bismol. Let's see if we can get yes, this. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so here at this place, we meet some kid named Ron Forsyth, who was, quote, barely visible under the three demons a very confused and disoriented victim of their destructive influence. They clung to him like leeches, causing him to stagger to and fro as they fought to avoid the goading tip of the big warrior's sword. So we need to have three demons on this one yeah. kid? This kid is strong. I don't, I don't think know. they understand. I don't think they understand, you know, correctly managing your resources. Yeah. I feel this is a bit of overkill here. I don't also know. Like, so they're on him. Like, why not just get in him? Like, is there, maybe there's like another demon inside him. I don't know why are they just clinging to him, but they don't want to go in full inside. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's something I'm missing. Okay. So Hank casts out the. The three demons clinging to Ron. The demons are on him. They're not inside of him. So you don't need quite the expert level of demon expeller to do that. Yes. So, yes. okay. So the demons that were on him were named Divination, Rebellion, and Sorcery. So, Ooh. yeah. Ooh. No pigs, thank goodness, were around. Or they would have been fucked. They would have been thrown into the pigs. Or maybe onto the I would have loved a. I want to see a rebellious pig. That sounds great. Just knocking people eating bacon. And it's like, fuck you. Just like biting him. Yeah, yeah. So the kids of Ashen are, as Dylan says, not okay. They're not safe. So not only are they playing video games and looking at Maxim Magazine, they are into some evil shit. Ron Forsyth explains what's happening in Ashen High School. Quote, the kids are messing around with satanic stuff like you wouldn't believe. We used to trip out on drugs. Now it's demons. Oh. <laughs> now they trip out on fucking demons. <laughs> 
That's a that's a heavy high. If you want to if you want to get high forever, you don't need to trepan yourself. <laughs> you need to get down with some demons because they will make you high forever. Oh god, yeah, into eternity, yeah. So Ron admits he thinks he at one point was possessed. He says, "Quote: I know I was. Man, I heard voices talking to me, telling me to get some drugs or steal something. All kinds of horrible things." I never let my folks know where I was. I never came home. I'd end up sleeping in the weirdest places and with the weirdest people. I just, I love this idea that this is why kids do drugs because there's just some voice in the back of their head saying, hey, 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 just do generic drugs. We don't know which ones. So he continues, quote, I'll tell you when I think I got into that satanic stuff. It's when I had my fortune told. Hey, that's when I caught it. No doubt. Though he explains it was at a carnival three years ago. So try and avoid carnivals. Yeah, I mean, that's probably good advice either yeah. way. Quote, uh, they're all over the place. Someone else moaned. Well, that just goes to show you how far off base this town has gotten. Cecil Cooper protested. There are more witches and fortune tellers around here than Sunday school teachers, which is a shame. So, so in chapter 26, Pastor Hank casts out a demon living in another kid named Bobby. Quote, Hank addressed the spirits. I want to know how many are in there. Speak up. One demon, a smaller one, ducked inside Bobby's back and shrieked, no. The shriek came (laughs) belching out of Bobby's throat. Which one are you? Hank asked. I won't tell you. You can't make me. By the name of Jesus, the demon responded immediately. Fortune telling. Hank asked, fortune telling? (laughs) How many of you are in there? Millions, he says. Millions. Triscall then jabbed fortune telling. Lightly in the flank. <laughs> I'm quoting directly. Ah, 10, 10. So not millions, 10. Okay. Torture your way yeah, out. That's a big, that's a big jump. It's <laughs> a huge yeah, gap there. So another jab. Ah, no, no. We, we are five, only five. Mm, likely <laughs> so story. Finally, the truth comes out of fortune telling, right? It makes it hard when all the demons <laughs> are just named after the sin they're in charge of. Okay. So now we're getting this evil cabal who meets in New York. Oh, of course. Yeah, where else? (sighs) Yeah, yeah. So Tal is being asked by a silver-haired angel, General, to go pull out a woman named Susan from a swarm of demons in New York. The General Mm. says, quote, the Universal Consciousness Society is holding a special fundraising and promotion dinner in New York for its many cohorts and members in the United Nations. Oh, God. (laughs) Of (laughs) Of course course they're involved. So Tal's first response was, is there prayer cover in New York? <laughs> but the general assures Tao that he will have it. <laughs> thankfully, though, God, thankfully, though, Dylan, uh, the entirety of New York isn't doomed godless hellscape after all. Oh, that's so that's good. good. There they are got some, some people, good people at least. There. Yeah. So as the elite arrive in New York Hotel, where they will meet the angel, Gilo says to Tao, quote, a significant gathering, Captain. Tao nodded and continued watching. Amid the limousines were many taxis, also carrying a vast cross-section of humanity. Orientals, Africans, Europeans, Westerners, Arabians, people of great power, esteem, and dignity from all over the world. Just uh, one quick note uh, to our listeners. Don't call Asian people Orientals. Orientals. Not a big thing. He says that a couple times in this book. So he's like, and this Oriental. Yeah, not good. Always good to be reminded. Yes. Thank you. 
Continuing with the quote, as written in the scriptures, the kings of the earth, Tal observed, being made drunk with the wine of the great harlot's immorality. Mm. Babylon the great, ooh, says Gilo. Ooh. The great harlot arising at last. Yes, universal consciousness, the world religion, the doctrine of demons spreading among all the nations. Babylon revived right before the end of the age. Hence the return of the Prince of Babylon, Rafar. So, dun dun dun. So yeah, this is this is so turning into intense. some resur- like revelation level yeah, stuff. Is. This is the end, <laughs> man. This is intense. Yep, exactly. And in fact, at this portion here, the dame, the demons, and the angels duke it out in this alley behind the hotel. But this isn't the real battle. No, no, no. The real battle is coming. And it's in a little flyover town called Ashton, as we've oh, mentioned already. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. yeah, wouldn't even notice it. The real okay, America, so- the real battle. <laughs> I feel like that should be the uh, exactly the slogan of the Midwest. Yeah, it should be. They should put it on their sign when you're entering Ashton. Yeah. Okay, so there is a lot of great demon angel battles in this book. Actually, too many to cover. But in fact, in chapter 20, 29, there is a car chase scene Whoa. with demons and angels battling <laughs> for control of the vehicle. <laughs> so, OK, here's a fun passage from that quote. So Gylo returned the blow, their swords locked for a moment, arm against arm. And then Gylo made good use of his foot to cave in the demon's face Whoa. and send it tumbling out over the canyon. Wow. So that's fun. <laughs> but what about Marshall? Okay, so what's going on with him? Because he's involved in this scene. What's going on here? Marshall goes to Ted Harmel's house. Ted was the owner of the Clarion before Marshall. So he finds the place destroyed, utterly just trashed. And Ted lying on the bed, having shot himself in the head. Whoa. Then suddenly, quote, shrieks, thunder, fangs bared to bite. The demons exploded from the walls, corners, every nook of the room, and like arrows went from Marshall's heart. The whitest hot light traced brilliant fiery arcs, a searing edge that cut through the flock of evil spirits like a Sith. Parts of demons tumbled into nothingness. Other demons imploded and vanished in instantaneous billows of red smoke, of course. <laughs> well, Waves they're constantly spirit- <laughs> breathing it out, so they're obviously filled <laughs> with red smoke. That's right. That's a good point. Waves of spirits still poured down upon one lone man who stood there in reasonless terror. But suddenly this man was surrounded by four heavenly warriors robed in glorious light. Their crystalline wings unfurled like canopy over their charge, their swords blurring into waving, swirling sheets of brilliance. The air was filled with the deafening cries of hideous spirits as blades met flanks, necks, and torsos. And demon after demon was flung aside and pieces that instantly disintegrated and vanished like vapor. Wow. An angel, Nathan, gutted one demon and sent it spiraling through the roof, leaving a red trail of vapor until it vanished. So very dramatic. Oh, yeah. With this his sword. Intense. Oh, yeah. This is a very intense. With his sword, he slashed with his free hand. He collected demons by their heels. Armoth and Center, which is an uh, angel, I'm assuming, whirled in a high-powered blur, mowing through demons as through grass. <laughs> Cree threw himself against Marshall and kept his wigs spread to protect the stunned man. I'm not sure if he's seeing this. I guess he is. I'm not mm, yeah. sure that or he's just, yeah, I don't know what's going on. And then almost as suddenly as it had begun, it was over. 
No demon remained. None had escaped. So wow, that is pretty incredible. intense. That is intense. Yeah, what I a also battle. notice uh, my favorite phrase from that is Armoth and Center World in a high powered blur mowing through demons as through grass. Who do we know Ooh. has been mowing this entire book? It's Pastor yes. Hank. Nice. That's download why he had right to there. do Boom. it. This is download <laughs> process happening. He had to pray oh, yes. and mow. So that the <laughs> angels could mow through the demons. Yeah, they could have used a Sith for the mow. That's old school mowing, but that's different. Um, yeah, you got to get with the times. You got to get with the times in spiritual that. warfare. Yeah, got to get with the times. Spiritual arms race. So the final battle for the soul of Ashton is upon us. So Pastor Hank Bush is falsely accused of rape charges and he's thrown into jail. So according to the book, quote, it had not been the most enjoyable of evenings. They had stripped him, searched him, fingerprinted him, photographed him, and then stuck him in the cell with no blanket to keep him warm. He had asked for a Bible, but they wouldn't allow him to have one. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, duh. It's only a damn sword of the spirit. You can't give prisoners weapons in jail. Yeah, exactly. Plus, he's just pissed because he can't mow. Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so his lawns are growing slowly. Ugh, horrible. So the drunk in the next cell had thrown up during the night. The writer of phony checks in the cell after that had a very dirty mouth. And the mugger in the next cell turned out to be a very vociferous, opinionated Marxist. (laughs) (laughs) End quote. (laughs) Don't you hate that when that's that's your cellmate? Yeah, I hate when the mugger in the next cell is a vociferous, opinionated Marxist. I mean, let's be honest, though. If I was in that situation, that would suck a whole lot. I don't want to hear (laughs) Marxist economic theories while I'm in jail. Good Lord. So as Pastor Hank and Marshall sit in jail, accused of crimes they didn't commit, we find out that, quote, Ashton had become a police state. It's time for Alex Jones. Yeah, let's do it. Call him in. This is me. We're outside the Ashton Ashton, uh, (laughs) jail here where they're keeping these warriors of light. They're keeping them behind bars. Trumped up charges. It's all part of the deep state cabal. Can't even get a Bible. Okay, so we're introduced to the strong man who's a demon. He's a he's a leader of a demon organization who is one of one who commands Bal Rafar to take the little town of Ashton in the first place. Wow, he's Rafar's boss. Yeah, exactly. Because Rafar this whole time has been like, this is the most badass demon that's ever lived. Yep, I know. So he wants to turn the city into a city of witchcraft and new age beliefs, just evil demonic things, you know, like New York City. So, um, (laughs) so, okay. So another way of looking at this is that, you know, maybe small towns in America and their mom and pop shops are dying thanks to Walmart and Amazon. That's another way. No, no. Okay. (laughs) They're dying because the Walmarts and Amazons are selling Ouija boards and yoga mats. (laughs) That's right. Mattel is going to, oh, Mattel, Uh. the evil Mattel. Meanwhile, the old lady Edith leads the Ashton Christian locals to pray in unison and worship songs naturally erupt outside of the jailhouse. Quote, the two of them listened for a while and then startling Marshall a little, Hank started singing too. It was a song painting Jesus Christ as a victorious warrior and the church as his army. Hank knew all the words, of course, and belted them right out. (laughs) A little embarrassed, Marshall looked around. The two car thieves in the next cell were... Still too dumbfounded to complain yet. The phony check writer only shook his head. Boy, this is dated. The phony check writer only shook his head and went back to his paperback novel. (laughs) 
some other guy in the last cell. Wait, wait a minute. minute. First, I have to stop. So he's allowed a paperback novel, but the guy isn't allowed. Pastor Hank isn't allowed a fucking Bible. I mean, yeah, of course, because the paperback novel is probably how to crime even more. One oh one. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay, so some other guy in the last cell, offense unknown, curse a little, but not too loudly. Come on, Marshall, prodded Hank. Jump in. We just might sing ourselves out of this place. I don't know about you, Dylan, but I can't count the times I've used this tactic. Uncomfortable situation? Just karaoke your way out of it. (laughs) Works every time. (laughs) That's why I always carry a portable karaoke machine. I also like how uh, Marshall is embarrassed that Hank, like he's embarrassed in front of the other criminals yeah, <laughs> that Hank right? is singing, <laughs> but also he is part of a spiritual transcendental war between angels mm. and demons True. in which prayer boosts the, the, the energy levels. It makes the yeah. angels go super Saiyan and his only response is to be embarrassed. It just seems a little <laughs> strange. Well, I don't know if you, they didn't write it, but I'm just assuming embarrassment you know the demon embarrassment gets in there and um, oh takes over. there you yep. go that's Boom. uh yep download <laughs> process download fucking process right there every adjective has a demon okay um it wasn't just ashton that was praying oh fuck no the book states that ashton had 32 cities of prayer cover wow 32 cities of prayer cover that's pretty good so okay so rafar is watching over the town of ashton waiting for battle at this moment Quote, Rafar rose from his big branch, his game master's seat of power, and stood on the hill, looking out over the little town of Ashton with his leering yellow eyes and his hordes of attending spirits gathered around him. His muscular arms rippled. (laughs) Okay. His expansive black (laughs) wings rising behind him like a royal train, his jewels gleaming and glittering in the sun. Oh, no. It sounds a little bit like Henry Kissinger. Kissinger. (laughs) Oh, man. This is oh, LaRouche did write this. Oh, geez. Oh, God, geez. I also love the explicit, uh, they talk about the Game Master's seat of power, you know, yeah. just admitting that, yeah, this is all D&D. Yeah, we're just going to. Oh, for sure. We're just going to yeah, come definitely. right out and say it. Okay, but so is Tal. So it's not just Rafar. So mm. Tal's here. He springs into action by playing a trumpet. So it's oh. a little less. Okay. <laughs> but kind of nice. Yeah. Well, we, we do we know sound here. Trumpets have an important role to play. That's true. In heaven. Yeah. And yeah, in ska bands too. So, quote, the trumpet went to his lips and the call went forth like a shockwave to shake the heavens. It echoed across the valley and back again and back again and back again. <laughs> so it echoed three times, I guess. I don't know. The hobbit's tail and back again and back again and back again. Okay. <laughs> With wave after wave, it washed over the ground. It deafened the demons. It soared down the streets and rumbled through the alleys. It rang in every ear with volley after volley of notes, building higher and sounding longer. And the still thick air was shattered with the sound. Tau blew and blew as he soared over the town, his wings flashing, his garments glowing. The moment had come. And you know I what mean, you know what that sounded like yeah. those volley after volley of notes <laughs> I like everyone in the ground is just like what like did I like okay this is not the right someone change the channel Jesus <laughs> I mean you know describing all that though I would definitely you know I would see that kind of Vegas Cirque du Soleil show if I had to Oh my god that, that does sound like Vegas Okay so finally Finally, Tal and Rafar do battle. 
Yeah. This is just like a scene out of a James Bond or say like a Mission Impossible or Born Identity film, whatever. Quote, Tal saw him, Rafar, disappear through the roof of that building and dove after him. The black tar roof came at him, growing in an instant from the size of a postage stamp to more than an, the eye could see. What? Tao plunged through it, roof, room, floor, room, then pull up, then down a hall, through a wall, up again, turn back, follow that smoke, through an office, follow up a wall, dip through a floor, rush along. The passing wall slap, slap, slapping. <laughs> the eyes are rushing. <laughs> this is not Dr. Seuss. Um, and rushing past like speeding freight cars. A smoking black missile followed by a flaming comet roared down the hall, down through several floors, back up again, right through the office and over all the desks, up through the ceiling panels, up through the roof and out into the open sky again. So what a scene, right? Wow. That is definitely James Bond action. Yeah, this is very Michael Bay-esque because I have no idea what's going on. I just, I really can't follow this at all. (laughs) When I was a kid, I used to like love to make up movies like action films i was like little and i had me, me and my brother had bunk beds and i would always you know braid him with my my like dude okay and then it would do this and then it would do this and then it would run and it would jump and do that's like what it sounds like <laughs> written onto yeah. page as a novel yeah, that's exactly what it is <laughs> and then boom and then he did this and then jumped around oh, you know who the real okay. ghost writers are frank peretti's kids <laughs> they're the ones who wrote this part so meanwhile, the police are about to unload on Strongman, who is possessing a guy that Hank pleaded with the police to not shoot. Quote, the police aim their guns at the strongman possessed man. What was this nut going to do next? Hank shouted, no, take it easy. It's not him. They did not understand what that statement meant at all because he's possessed. Obviously, Hank stepped forward and gave it one more try. Strongman, I know you can hear me. You are defeated. The shed blood of Jesus has defeated you. Be silent and come out of him and depart from this region. Now the police were aiming at Hank. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, boy. That gave me a good chuckle. <laughs> police killing innocent yeah, people every it. time yeah, it exactly. gives me a warm glow inside. Okie doke. So Rafar chops off Tal's wing. Ooh. Oh, God. And just as Tal is about to be defeated by Rafar to even the score for the whole Babylon battle, he, you know, he suffered earlier, or ways back, way back. Quote, Edith Duster sunk to her knees. Oh. She was pale. The saints gathered around. Should we call an aid car? I think they're called ambulances, but that's fine. <laughs> Someone asked. <laughs> Someone asked. No, no. Edith cried. I know this feeling. I felt it before. The Lord is trying to speak to me. Edith started to weep. There's still an evil spirit out there, she cried. He's doing great mischief. His name is Raphael Raving. Uh, Close enough, I guess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So, okay, so Bobby, who was possessed earlier, Bobby Corsi, spoke up. Rafar! Edith looked up at him with wide eyes. Yes, yes, that's the Lord's, what the Lord's impressing upon me. You know, I think Edith is just doing some cold reading, but that's okay, whatever. Let's, She's hey, the let's medium. not big twist. You know, big twist. Edith, Edith is clutch right now. This is the second <laughs> time in this You're book right. she's come in. So <laughs> let's leave her alone. She is clutch. She's clutch. You're right. So Edith rebukes out loud, guys. Remember, if anything you've learned anything, you have to do it out loud. You yeah, can't just spoken. rebuke demons you gotta speak it. in your head. Yes, exactly. 
So Rafar, so she rebukes Rafar in the name of Jesus Christ. The Ashton faithful yell out, we bind you and we cast you out. Then there's apparently a puff of sulfur, of course, you know, obviously. Mm, yep, puff. Yep, 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 yep. But then in gruesome fashion, but for the Lord, Tal tears open Rafar with his sword. Very disturbing. Ooh. As Rafar twitches, all impaled, he mutters, quote, but for your praying saints, but for your saints. So oh, yeah. the last final words of Rafar. All the humans of Ashen were freed from jail and reunited. I guess all the charges were dropped. The em- they embraced while, quote, tears dripped all over everybody, which is kind of a gross. I, thing, I'm going to say <laughs> I'm not sure about that check writer guy. I think mm. we should mm. keep him in there. I think you're right. Yeah, seriously. Kmart is going to get some bad checks. It's like what? Osco. I don't know. Some, I'm trying to think of a, um, a, a store. No, that's now I think closed. you were right. You were right the first time with Kmart. <laughs> that is where you are writing your bunk checks. You're bringing it to Kmart. So the custom is for Tal to play the goddamn trumpet before and after a victory. But he was too injured and exhausted to do it. So oh, he pushed man. his duty onto General Angel Gilo. Quote, Gilo thought about that for one short moment. Then started guffawing, then slapped Tal on the back and sailed into the air. <laughs> the victory signal went forth loud and clear, and Gilo even did a tight corkscrew climb for effect. He loves to do that, says Tal. The general <laughs> laughed. <laughs> oh, man. Well, show off there. Hey, well, you know, if you're an oh, angel, why not? Yeah. But unfortunately, unfortunately for Tal, Gilo, and even Marshall, Pastor Hank, Bernice, Sandy, Bobby, and all the other characters we've been introduced to, um, none of this matters because this book sucks. And that's the end. So oh, that is uh, it. it's not real. It's not it real, is. but many take it to be. So true. And with that, we are done with Spiritual Warfare Part 2. And we are done. Thank you for listening to None Dare Call It Ordinary. You can find us on Twitter at NDCIO, Instagram at None Dare Call It Ordinary, and send us an email at None Dare Call It Ordinary at gmail.com. For only $1 a month, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash None Dare Call It Ordinary. For information on all our episodes, as well as links to our YouTube channel and Discord server, head over to our website at NoneDareCallItOrdinary.com. As always, we ask that you please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are served.